Hey, welcome to, uh, we thought this was going to be the Annabel Sanchez Touch em All podcast, but as it turns out, it's a two-for-one, Derek Wetmore, who's down at Hammond Stadium in Fort Myers. It's the Annabel Sanchez and Jake Odorizzi recap podcast. The Twins have an abundance of pitching options now, pitching riches, if you were to go back to 2013 and take Annabel Sanchez's last relevant season. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, so let's let's start. Let's, there's a million things to get into here, but I want to throw out just a quick take and get your reaction because my my Jake Odorizzi opinion is twofold and it's 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 very simple. A, I think they pulled a heist. I think they got a very good pitcher in the middle of his prime for six million dollars, and then whatever he makes in his final year of team control in 2019 for almost nothing. A mostly nondescript infield prospect named Jermaine Palacios. It's it's a heist for the Twins to get their probably their number three starter when Irvin Santana comes back. But number two, I still don't think it's enough to put them on the same level. In fact, not even I think. I know it's not enough to put them on the same level as, say, Houston, Cleveland, and the Yankees and some of the other powerhouses around baseball. Your thoughts? Wow. You uh, pretty much stole my, all of my thunder there, Phil. Uh, all right. That's a wrap on this episode yeah. of Touch Em All. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and don't forget to buy a Toyota at Luther Brookdale. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I do agree with you that, like, Odorisi's a good pitcher, and, and I feel like that part of it might be lost a little bit. I've just heard from a lot of people that are kind of disappointed, and, like, Jake Odorizzi's pretty good, and you get him for two years, and – you got to get in and just take advantage of a Rays team that was dumping salary. Uh, one Twins player asked me this week, they said, uh, why did they just give him up? I said, well, it's complicated, but... And then they said, and did I see that they DFA'd Corey Dickerson? Didn't he yeah. make the All-Star game last year? And I'm like, yeah, see, that's why it's complicated. But to me, the upshot is that the Twins just made their starting rotation better by... Not only adding a guy who might be like, if you're into fan graphs, wins above replacement, he, maybe he's like a two-win, two-and-a-half-win pitcher. But consider this, too. He might be replacing somebody who's sub-replacement level. Like, That's it, if, yes. If if he takes, like, Phil Hughes' spot in the rotation or something, I, I don't know that's how it's going to play out. I'm just, you know, you spin this thing forward and you look, they're probably going to break camp with four starters, and... If you knew that you'd have to depend on on some combination of these guys at some point in the season from the group of Aaron Slaggers, Tyler Duffy, Phil Hughes, you know, you could go down that list a little ways, Dietrich Ends. If you knew that you were going to have to use 16 starting pitchers this year and the guys at the bottom end of that are just guys you'd rather not use, like we could go up and down the list of names from last year uh, to be sort of a who's who of, yeah, all right, AAA depth, you know, technically they were pitching in AAA, but in some cases you'd rather not have to use them. And so so I almost view Odorizzi as like a bigger upgrade than, than he's viewed in terms of wins above replacement. So from that perspective, a good addition for the Twins. You mentioned not giving up very much, but like – this also doesn't strip them of the responsibility to have to add more to this team, whether it's the rest of this offseason, you know, through spring training, or just keep your eyes open for trade fits throughout the season, hopefully before the July trade deadline. But 
Um, I, I think that the Twins are at a certain spot in their, what you would call the winning curve, where, like, extra wins are very, very important to come by. Uh, there's a long way to go to catch Cleveland. They've got other great teams in the American League that are going to be duking it out for the wild card. I think if you're the Twins, Odorizzi helps. And with that being said, you also need to do more to add more wins to this roster uh, if you do intend to be a postseason team again this year. Yeah, so uh, another thing to add to what you just said too is, so I, I totally agree with everything you just said about Odorizzi maybe even taking the place of like whoever was bumped from the number five spot, which might be a below-replacement-level pitcher, um, Phil Hughes or whoever it would be, that but maybe his two and a half or maybe it might, let's say he finally pitches a full season of like 190 innings. Maybe he's a three win pitcher that he's really a four win pitcher above the replacement level that we're talking about in this context. It's also worth noting when we talk about context, he pitched for the last five years in the toughest offensive division in baseball, the American League East. Those Yankees in small ballparks, Red Sox, that, that Yankee Stadium that he pitched in about mm-hmm. 17 or 20 times over the past few years or. That's how often he faced the Yankees. So let's say half of those starts came in that bandbox. Uh, the Orioles have had a great offense for years with Chris Davis and Adam Jones and other hitters. Um, and and he's and he's been hit pretty hard. Like the Orioles have a force. Uh, he has a four seven one ERA against the Orioles in eighteen games. Uh, Red Sox like a four forty ERA. He's been pretty good against the Yankees actually a four point three one ERA. The Blue Jays, Jose Batista. Edwin Encarnacion for years, Josh Donaldson uh, the last couple of years, a 3.21 ERA against that Blue Jays lineup in his career. So if you now you want him to perform well against the best lineups in baseball because those are the lineups you're going to face if you play a seven game series, you know, against Houston or somebody. But when you get to swap out all of those games against the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, and the Orioles, and swap in rebuilding Kansas City, rebuilding Chicago rebuilding Detroit, that that's going to make a big difference. So respectable numbers over the last five years, an ERA well below four and almost a strikeout per inning. And we can get into some of the other metrics and analytics, but um, I think you're only going to see his performance improve. And I have to think, if we want to go even further inside, that the pitching analyst, the Twins stole away from Tampa, Josh Kalk, who was there for about eight or nine years, that he probably had a hand in not only the the the, the uh, development of Jake Odorizzi, but also the acquisition, they probably leaned on him quite a bit and said, you know, what is this? What are the, what what are we getting? But anytime you can get a guy who slots in the middle of your rotation in his prime for six million dollars for almost nothing, you say yes, and it doesn't prevent them from doing other things. If they wanted to sign a Lance Lynn or or, or uh, you know even like a Jake Arrieta, I don't know if they're going to go deep on the contract terms. This money doesn't prevent them from making that move or trading for a big contract, a Cole Hamels or or a Chris Archer at the trade deadline. So there's really yeah. nothing you can, there's really nothing you can say about this trade unless you're just mad that they didn't get you Darvish or mad that they didn't get Chris Archer. If if you're just looking at this trade in a vacuum, there's really nothing to be upset about. It's a great trade for the Twins, Derek. Yes. Yeah. I think that's exactly where I come down on this. That. On its face, this is a good trade. Uh, one thing quick on Josh Kalk, and then I want to talk about opportunity cost, which is 
Uh, I heard that this was not necessarily driven by Kalk, that he's, you know, he's a pitching analyst, uh, and it's not exactly clear what he does, but my guess is like, and I mean this in, uh, in, in, uh, endearing terms, my guess is like math and physics nerd who has a great understanding of data and how they can use it to improve pitcher performance. Yeah, well, and and also, I think according to we have we have Mark Topkin on our radio show, and he's covered the yeah. Rays. He's one of the best beat writers in the country. He's covered the Rays for a couple decades, and he said he didn't in covering that team as close as he did. He never met Josh Kalk ever in nine years. Never met him face to face, and uh, and said that that there's something to do with like injury correlation and mechanics that Josh Kalk has helped create a system that the Rays used as part of their internal database. So um, whether it's like biomechanics or correlating injury and injury risk with mechanics, that's the type of stuff. In addition to pitch FX and pitch patterns, which is what Josh Kalk used to write about quite a bit before he got hired by the Rays. Kind of all of those things are what he has his hand in. Yeah. And I mean, some of it could be as simple as, Oh, his uh, looks like his vertical release point has dropped about an inch and a half. That's a pretty good sign that somebody's compensating for an injury. You might want to look into that. Whereas, Naked eye, you might not see that. You use all the data and stuff, and you see it over the course of a month, and it becomes just like slap you in the face obvious. Um, I, I heard this was not a Josh Kalk move, Phil. I heard that the Twins targeted Jake Odorizzi basically as soon as Derek Falvey took over the front office, that he was somebody on their list of, hey, here's a potential person who could become available now or in the future who we like and who has team control and who we think we could get at a good value. Um, I don't think anyone would have predicted they would have got it at the value of just a a ball shortstop who's fourth on the depth chart. And that's not to take anything away from Palacios. He might be a good big leaguer someday. There are some people who question if he sticks at shortstop, and then like it really becomes important that you you slug like crazy uh, if if you're not manning an up the middle position. So anyway, I I mean I have. I have no idea because I've never seen him. I've never scouted him. Um, the 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 way I think about prospects is like, okay, you're an A baller, 21 years old, shortstop with a question mark and a bat that's been good. I don't know. You got maybe like a 15 or 20 percent chance of being a good big league player at or or being a big league player. Period. And there's just so much left to play out in his career to even begin to project what he could be or will be someday. But uh, so anyways, I heard that the move way predates Kalk, and then it's surprising to me personally that the acquisition cost was as low as it was. I'm guessing the Twins have to be surprised by it a little bit, too, to be able to get somebody that they allegedly targeted for more than a year to then go over for just that one player, one for one. You're basically saying, all right, we'll take the salary, and you can take this lottery ticket, and good luck to us both. Yeah, um, and and don't you think too that it's it's pretty obvious the conversations the Twins have been having with the Rays throughout the past few months that they've almost one hundred percent centered around Chris Archer because if it was really this low of a cost to get in on Jake Odorizzi, like you would have said yes a long time ago. So like the it, well, the Twins, I think the Twins probably knew that it wasn't going to cost a lot to get Jake Odorizzi, and so they spent most of their time chasing Chris Archer and maybe you Darvish. And then once camp starts, okay, got to get somebody in here. So let's at least get Odorizzi so that we have somebody to bolster the rotation, and sure. then we can keep working on some of these other options if they're still out there. Yeah, maybe so. I think that 
dovetails perfectly into my point on opportunity cost, which it's possible talk centered forever on Chris Archer, but I, and, and I don't have, I'm, this is pure speculation. I, I walk this like weird perilous line of half reporter, half just like analyst, straight up speculating and making stuff up for a podcast. So like, I recognize that that's not really fair to the listener who's like, Oh, is he reporting this or no, 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 this is not a report. What I if, think we should we should preface it by saying it's reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. So, <laughs> all right, they're talking about Archer for a time. They've been talking about Odorizzi since at least the beginning of this winter, probably dating back into last year. Um, and there was the back injury, so maybe a maybe you know a, a trade in the season didn't make a whole lot of sense. And the twins didn't know whether they were buyers or sellers yet. They never really made up their mind. Um, So they probably talked about Archer. They probably talked about Odorizzi, but my guess is that it wasn't just all Archer. And if you knew this was the price all along, you should have done it because we just both agreed that this is a good price to pay for a good mid rotation starting pitcher. So you, you make that trade, but, I would counter by saying, what if the price just came down? What if it was like, okay, here's what we're asking for for Chris Archer. Take it or leave it. And some dialogue maybe goes back and forth, but you just never really find a common ground. There's just so much team control left on that contract, and he's a good pitcher and asking for the moon and the stars, and and you're not willing to pay all that. Okay. Well, then they're like, okay, we like Odorizzi too, and he's got two years of team control, and hey – He's a pretty good pitcher. I just asked Josh Kulk. He'll tell you all about it. Pretty good pitcher, right? You want him? Okay, great. How about Nick Gordon? And if you're the Twins, you say, uh, come on. Like, There's a bunch of free agents out here. We could, Who's to say we won't just go buy another one of your old pitchers that you can't afford, Alex Cobb, and and just you, you keep your trade chips and can't get any prospects out of us. And then it just comes down to spring training, and the Rays are desperately trying to shed payroll, so they DFA Corey Dickerson despite some possible trade opportunities. They're ready to ship uh, Odorizzi out of town. Archer, only if the price is right, probably more likely outcome is they hang on to him, at least for the start of the season. And and then they say, okay, okay, we'll relent on Nick Gordon. How about... uh, Let's just go to the next shortstop on your board. How about Wander Javier? And if you're the Twins, you're like, eh, sorry. You just lost an arbitration to Odorizzi. Do you want to pay him the 6.3 or not? Okay, fine. How about the next shortstop? How about Jermaine Palacios? We like him a lot too. Could could we get him for that? I, I'm not saying that's what went down. I'm just saying that like that's how trades happen. That's how trades like evolve over time. You have this idea of a framework, and something shifts in the rest of the landscape. In this case, it was – Pitchers started to come off the board, and and the Twins were left in I, I'd consider fairly desperate measures that you you need to get somebody in here, and the Rays likewise left in pretty desperate measures. They've self-imposed some payroll uh, goals, shall we call them, and wanted to get beneath those. And so, I, I think it's possible that a trade comes together in that way. And gosh, that was a really long way of setting up my point. But my point was that, like, the only way that you can dislike this move if you're a follower of the Twins, well, there's two ways. You could be related to Jermaine Palacios and you just really wanted to see him come up through the Twins system. Or two, you could be, like, concerned that pulling off a decent trade and fortifying your starting rotation to an extent 
will be like satisfying that the front office can now kick their feet up on the table and say, all right, we got our rotation. Awesome. We're so happy with ourselves. Let's never look to acquire pitching again. I think if that were to happen, it would be somewhat disappointing. But um, first of all, I, I don't think that's a very likely reaction. And second of all, I don't think we can really call a trade a loser based on other things that happen after the trade. I think you just have to look at it straight up in a vacuum on its own. And in this case, it's pretty hard to see a case that the Twins didn't make a good deal here. Yeah, I think, I mean, if you had expectations of you Darvish or Chris Archer, which, I mean, and I think that's why there's been kind of a meh reaction to the Odorizzi trade from Twins fans because it does feel like a consolation prize, and I totally get that. I mean, it's a consolation prize that's your third best starter. It may be your second best starter with Irvin Santana out. But if you're comparing to you Darvish at his peak or Chris Archer at his peak, Jake Odorizzi's 90th percentile performance isn't nearly what you Darvish's sure. or Chris Archer's is. Well, so I, I, I get the consolation prize feeling of it. Um, but and like you said, in, in a vacuum, he's a good pitcher. Yeah. This is almost inevitable that it sets up like typical twins shot for the moon and were just willing to tell us that you were in on the big guys and not willing to actually get it done. We've talked a lot about you, Darvish, Phil, on this podcast, so I don't, I don't think we need to beat that horse to death. No, no. Um, but like in general, I've got a philosophical question for you, and, and I, I guess I would pose it to the listeners too that – um, if you want to hit me up on Facebook, Derek Wetmore MLB, with like your thoughts about this, I'd be very curious to know how how followers of this team are responding to it. Because I think maybe my reaction is different than yours might be different than you know Patrick Royce's might be different than the uh, the average listener of this podcast. People who listen and follow the Twins very closely and are very knowledgeable, but are. are frankly, just rooting for the team more than I would be. My question is, like, does it bug you? Or, or or would you have rathered that the Twins just stayed quiet about their pursuit of you, Darvish, that they just kind of like a duck swimming on a pond? They're just, like, furiously kicking their feet all winter trying to get some top-end starting pitching, and that when they wind up getting Jake Odorizzi, it's kind of like, oh, hey, nice. A good pitcher that makes the rotation better. Yeah. Versus what kind of actually played out, which was Thad Levine, I think very, you know, intentionally thumping his chest and, and coming out at the beginning of the offseason and say, no, Shohei Otani's a priority. You, Darvish, is a priority. We are in this boxing ring with the big boys. I think saying that then sets you up a little bit for that, you know, oh, second place consolation prize sort of feeling. Phil, if it was up to you would you have rather that the twins just didn't say anything at all at the beginning of the offseason uh for me no i hold on, let, let me elaborate on that in just a second here because that's a really good question and i think the twins are in a no-win situation even though they've closed a major gap in some of the work that they've done this offseason but real quick a word for luther brookdale toyota which helps keep this podcast Alive and well every week. It's on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard here in the Twin Cities. And you have all kinds of brand new 2018 models on the lot. So it's the best combination because you get uh, some of the most popular durable vehicles in the world in Toyotas. But then you also get 
the human touch, the service, and the expertise, and the people at Luther Brookdale Toyota, which are the people that my family and I have been going to for quite a long time, for three-plus decades. So stop in either in person. They're open until 9 o'clock uh, during business days, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard, and uh, tell them about how much you love 1500 ESPN and the Touch Em All podcast or how much you hate it even. Just that, like, we moved you to go to Luther Brookdale Toyota, or you can snoop around the website, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. So th- this is how I look at it. I I want the Twins, for their sake and and just so they can improve their chances of winning, obviously, I want them to take calculated risks and be, and, and be aggressive when it warrants it. When you have a window to win, you should be able to, to, you know, to roll up your sleeves and get in on some of the top free agent pitchers and make them an offer uh, or, or offer up top prospects when you have a, a stockpile of 15 or 20 prospects that you like for a Chris Archer. So for me personally, the fact that they offered five years reportedly and over $100 million for a 31-year-old Hugh Darvish and the fact that they're in conversations involving Max Kepler and whatever else for Chris Archer, like I, I believe those reports to be true. And I don't think Terry Ryan front offices were having those same conversations with those agents and with those opposing general managers. It's, it's pretty rare that you would hear about the Twins even being in the mix on a top free agent starting pitcher or, or, or offering up potential young assets for a pitcher in his prime like a Chris Archer. Uh, but again, like they aren't going to get credit for just being in the mix until they actually land somebody. And I understand that too. I know fans are frustrated and, and some media in this town that gets emotionally attached one way or the other gets frustrated because for so long they've been this little engine that could and this aw shucks we didn't quite win the World Series or didn't quite get that pitcher that we were going to maybe trade for or sign. And it's just another story of missing out on those guys in Chris Archer and you Darvish. So, um, you know, if I could put myself in the shoes of a frustrated fan, would my reaction be different or more optimistic about Jake Odorizzi if I didn't know about the pursuit of you Darvish or Chris Archer? Yeah, but I think that frustration still lives. And so, if again, this goes back to what we were saying at the top of the podcast. I don't expect them to pay... You know, like the Padres just dropped a ridiculous amount on Eric Hosmer, who Eric Hosmer is a good player, but he's not like an eight-year contract through his 30s player. Um, like, I don't, I'm not going to ever criticize the Twins for avoiding the Albatross free agent contract, but I absolutely will criticize the Twins if they're in the mix this year and their roster is still inferior to Cleveland and Houston and New York and National League teams, and they don't pull the trigger on a prospects for stud pitcher trade. That's the one like that's the one thing that I think I've been adamant since they opened Target Field. There's only been about one or two times in the history of Target Field that they've had a chance where it makes sense to give up guys in your pipeline. It does this year, assuming they come out and they're competitive for the first two or three months. They should make that trade this year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I guess the question comes down to perception. Do you do you care that Jake Odorizzi is not as good as you Darvish? Because he isn't. But by coming out and saying that we're in on this, we're in on this, they did sort of set themselves up, if they were to lose it, to, I mean, to you're disappointed. It's like, it's like the Vikings this year. You know, if they went eight and eight, people wouldn't have been heartbroken. They would have been like bummed. You're just sort of like numbingly, uh, uh, 
not indifferent because Vikings fans love that team, but but you're not crushed. Whereas after Stephon Diggs happens and then you go and just get embarrassed by the Eagles, you are crushed. And it's the way sports works. It's binary. You won or you lost. And in this case, you lost in you Darvish. You lost in adding an ace caliber starting pitcher. I mean, you could even say if you want to that you lost on Chris Archer, even though I don't think the likelihood of that trade was ever very high this winter. Um, and that sucks, like losing stings. So I understand that. But from my personal perspective, I appreciate the confidence that it projects to come out and say, uh, you know, the Dodgers were going to be in on this. The Yankees were going to be in on this. The Cubs were going to be in on this. The Astros were going to be in on this. You're not so worried about the perception that you're going toe-to-toe with the Giants. I personally like that. And the Giants is a National League team, so that doesn't really work. The Titans, I should say. The uh, the behemoths in the sport right now. You're not backing down just because, ah, oh, we're the also-ran twins. So I understand the perception of being frustrated or annoyed that this is a typical twins move to fail to get done what you set out to do or, or what you, even more cynically, you could just say uh, – they said they were doing it so that, you know, we'd all take them at their word. I don't think that's the case. I think they actually were in strong pursuit just based on some of the conversations that I've had. Um, you set yourself up for that disappointment, but personally, I can, I can appreciate the confidence, and I think that's the right, the, right, um, the right path to do anytime you find yourself in this arena again. Yeah, they also here's – a, here's a pivot to the other pitcher they signed over the weekend. So Anibal Sanchez – about four or five years ago, was one of the best pitchers in baseball. And the last three years, he's been one of the most hittable, worst regular starting pitchers in baseball among guys who've thrown that many innings and that many games. And he's made a lot of money uh, with the Tigers. He's 34 years old. It's a non-guaranteed contract. So at worst, the Twins are going to light $500,000 on fire if he doesn't make the team. Um, And they don't have to pay him that much on the top end if he does make the team. But... I think it's pretty clear the Twins with Derek Falvey's pitching background and Thad Levine coming over from the Rangers and now a lot of the guys they have behind the scenes that are number crunching on tablets and via spreadsheets, whatever their mechanisms are, that they're very confident in their system to be able to develop players, pitchers, or at least squeeze extra toothpaste out of the tube. Because Paul Molitor had this to say. I I, I caught this, I believe, from the article you wrote on 1590ESPN.com. Some of our guys that did some studies on the pitchers that are out there, they said Anibal Sanchez's analytics and some of the factors they feel are significant were a lot better than his results. Obviously, the long ball bit him a lot. Some of it had to do with, our people think it has to do with pitch usage and some other things, but they really liked a lot of weapons that he still has. They think he got away with doing some things that would give him a better chance to be successful. Now, my opinion is Derek Falvey and Thad Levine and what they're putting together here I think it's a very, very good front office. I think it's a very smart, intelligent, forward-thinking front office. I also think Anibal Sanchez has a better chance to be bagging groceries in October than to be pitching in a big playoff series on a team that won like 90 or 95 games and he made 33 starts and popped back into the you know, to the relevant bin. Like I just don't see that happening, but obviously the Twins are confident enough to uh, to have seen something that they think is worth taking a flyer on. Yeah. Uh, 
I guess I hate myself for coming up with so many semantical arguments, but Anibal Sanchez has made enough money in his career that he won't need to bag groceries if this baseball thing doesn't work out. That tells so. you that tells you how far away he is yeah. from yeah. being a relevant pitcher then in my mind. <laughs> I guess you're right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean he's right. like the fit, you know, his his velocity is still pretty much there from where what's like down a mile per hour from a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, but if you look like one of the main things if you want to dive into some of the analytics his fastball was a plus-plus pitch for him four or five years ago. His fastball got destroyed last year. It was one of the worst pitches of any pitcher in baseball, if you look at the analytics. And it's not like his velocity dropped five miles an hour. He still throws 92 miles an hour on average and can crank it up into the mid-90s. So is it something with, you know, it could be something as simple as hitters have figured him out and he hasn't made the counter-adjustment and the Twins think they can help him make the counter-adjustment. Sure, and maybe, but and like I guess the downside is is minimal. But like, I'll believe it when I see it. Like, I'm an analytics guy, but I think it comes off as not. It's like bordering on arrogance. I don't want to say arrogance because the twins aren't like thumping their chest saying like we will fix him. But it does feel kind of Don Cooper esque where you say like I know you couldn't fix him, but we have an idea. Yeah, and like. Okay, so maybe you throw your change up, maybe you bump that up from 20% usage to, like, half of your pitches. You do what CC Sabathia did, and you start pitching backwards as your stuff starts to deteriorate. Maybe it's as simple as, like, sequencing, or, hey, you don't really change hitters' eye levels at all, or, like, oh, you're, you're, you've got to tell with your release point, or something like that that I, I don't know, I'm not smart enough to figure out. Like, maybe they found something like that, it can work. And here's another thing. Maybe they found something like that, and it's unfixable, and it won't work, and he's not going to make the team out of spring training. Entirely possible. Um, so it's like it's a low-risk signing, but I don't expect that he'll be making 25 starts for the Twins necessarily. I'm also kind of curious about the, like, how how far can you go down fixing a pitcher? Like, if it was as easy as saying, like, oh, some of these pitches are more hittable, you shouldn't throw those very much. Okay, if that was the case, and I know a lot of front offices are doing this now, it's not unique to the Twins, but, like, every pitcher would just be better. And it's it's much easier said than it is done. I think solving the riddle on the back half is, is maybe a little bit easier. But now you need, like, okay, like, if you're in web development and you're doing all the code in the back end, you can fix that and have it looking great and perfect, good for you. And then if your front end, you know, web designer makes a non-functioning website it's like kind of defeats the purpose and that metaphor extends to the twins and the front office and the coaching staff and i'll I'll just tell you a quick story that i heard on background uh this is uh, a number of years ago and it's the this player is not in the organization anymore but they had a pitcher where they thought all right we really like this pitch that you throw and you don't throw it very often but it's a really good pitch like statistically not only do teams not hit it very well, but just its movement and the uh, like the perceived velocity and it's just it's it's a difficult pitch for hitters to pick up on. You should really feature that pitch a lot more. It shouldn't just be like an every once in a while surprise pitch. It should be a, f- a staple of your diet. And by the same token, this other pitch that you throw, boy, it is it is a lollipop that is the kind of pitch that batters come to the plate hoping they get to see and you're throwing it 70 percent of the time 
what if we just swapped these out and traded them? And the pitcher's response was some uh, maybe uh, maybe slightly louder version of "No thanks, I know my stuff." Yeah. And well, I mean, but that's like natural selection of pitchers, though. There too, right? Totally. Where if you okay, I mean, it's a pretty that's a pretty simple result, which is all right. You're if cut. you if you if you don't evolve, then you will die in the sense yeah. of you know being a relevant well, pitcher. And look, I'm not saying that everyone's going to be a stubborn guy and and think that his stuff is infallible. Obviously, Anibal Sanchez has been humbled a little bit over the past three years, and there are so many um, anecdotes that I've heard over the last couple of days that he's just like a great teammate, great guy, that I, I tend to believe that, okay, give him the benefit of the doubt that he'll be adaptable, that he'll be changeable, that he can adjust, um, but... St- like so with all of that being said and you could definitely see a scenario where he's fixed like we just kind of laid it out but i'm still skeptical i've still seen too many people who were one tweak away from being a Cy Young winner and were then out of baseball the next year so like that just it's a long shot but i think that the downside for the twins is fairly minimal and yeah if he makes the rotation out of spring training which i think is also a long shot given that they've now added Odorizzi, then, hey, they cover themselves for a little while, and if you can just give them a few good starts, it could make the whole thing worth it. And then Irvin Santana gets back, and you've got some depth in your system. And and that's one thing that I think the Twins are in a much better spot now than they have been at any time in the last three or four years, not only on the starting side but on the bullpen side of things too. If you have to go to your, like, backup, backup option, you're no longer running for cover. You're saying, like, okay, well, like, I'm not thrilled that Adalberto Mejia has got to make 30 starts because I, I don't think he's as good as J.O. Barreos. But also, I'm not going to be like – he's not going to embarrass – you know, he's not going to embarrass his teammates in his club more than yeah. likely. And the same thing other... in the bullpen. You wouldn't be like, oh, I'm really happy that we have had to turn to, you know, fill in the blank, uh, you know, Tyler J by midsummer or something. You might not like love to dig into your depth, but I think on both fronts, they do have a little bit more depth than what we've seen in the past. And that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. The, the other factor, this is probably for another episode, but you know, Jose Barrios has the stuff, the makeup and the potential to be one of the top 12 pitchers in baseball. Like he, he has, I don't know if he has Clayton Kershaw potential, but he has like that, Chris Archer tier potential where if if he makes that jump this year you're talking about you're I mean now you're viewing the rotation in a totally different light because you've added a number one starter that maybe didn't exist up until this year but that's probably a a conversation for another day I will uh, I'll end it on this here Derek I think regardless of what you think of Jake Odorizzi or uh, the Twins pursuit of top end pitchers that looks like it came up short this offseason I just want to applaud the Touch 'em All audience and some of our social media followers for raising the bar with their retorts and with their arguments yes. and with their debates. Agreed. Gary chimes in and he responds to he Gary also forwarded us the MLB trade rumors report that Tim Lincecum has a guaranteed contract offer but we don't know the team and he said this has Twins bargain bin blueprint all over it. But Gary also said in response to my Jake Odorizzi is a really good pitcher tweet, really good, huh? He had a 543 FIP last year. And, yes. Gary, I'm not even going to fight you. The fact that 
at least we're debating FIP instead of wins or other outdated metrics. I'm uh, my heart is warm reading yes. that complaint. And just for the record, Jake Odorizzi did have a 543 FIP because of the home runs allowed last year, 30 home runs and only 140 innings. Before last season, he had a FIP of 3.93 and uh, and also pitched in again the toughest offensive division in baseball for my money. So yes, um, uh, I think he probably bounces back more to the state that he was in before 2017. Yeah, back problems last year could have been part of it. Fangraphs also has a great breakdown. Travis Sochik wrote up the uh, high fastball as uh, as hitters try to elevate and uh, get their their uh, launch angle up and just hit everything in the air. Some pitchers have gone back to living at the top of the zone, and Odorizzi tried to do that last year, and not always to great effect. I'm looking at a leaderboard right now. Here's a here's your stat of the week, Phil. You can cue the stat of the week sounder that we haven't made yet. Stat of the week. Yeah, very good. Uh, Jake Odorizzi on fastballs in the upper third of the zone last year gave up the most home runs of any pitcher in baseball. 11 home runs in on high fastballs, basically. And what that says to me is either he's living up there too much and, and becoming like that's the book on him. He's going to try to get a high fastball by you, be ready for it. Uh, or... Maybe the fastball just wasn't as effective in that spot and the back injury possibly playing into that. Or a third possibility that says that, yeah, he wasn't setting up hitters very well for that. Like he just kind of tried to rely on it. Uh, his his out pitch is that split change, kind of the same one that um, Alex Cobb throws. It's really more of a split finger fastball, I heard. But uh, but it's kind. I guess it's change of pace pitch a little bit. Um, to, in any case... If he's trying to use that at the bottom of the zone and then sneak high fastballs by guys, maybe he wasn't setting them up well. It, all I know is that your stat line looks a lot better if you don't give up those 11 home runs or if you even give up half of those home runs. It definitely changes your FIP, and obviously it changes your ERA too. Um, I, I'm not a huge FIP guy. I, I understand what it's trying to do and stuff, and, and that's one of the reasons I struggle with pitcher war on fan graphs too because it's – it's it's telling you a measure of what should have probably happened, not what happened. And for projecting purposes, it does help. But I don't think you'd say, like, Odorizzi had a horrible year last year because he had a bad FIP. No, I mean, at the end of the year, his ERA is what determines how valuable he was as a pitcher to you. And Right, but I, anyway. think, I think it's telling you, like, how if he, were to, if he were to perform like this going forward, what would his ERA be? Yeah. likely be and it's it's likely to have been higher than 4.14 sure and assume um, but it also assumes you know standard home run per fly ball rates and stuff like that it, it has some baked in assumptions that i can't always yeah. get behind it this might be one of those cases so i'm gonna write a column in the next couple of days here talking about the quote-unquote upside of jake odorizzi because i think he's a mid-rotation starter he's he's a number three if you want to put numbers on it but I also think that he has the potential to be a little bit better than your average number three, and I'll point out some reasons why. The uh, the home run rate is definitely one of them, and uh, he's also got to stop walking, guys. That keeps going up year after year. He should probably cut that out sometime soon. Oh, man, we just nerded out hard in the last five minutes of this podcast. Hey, that's what this podcast is about. Uh, I appreciate <laughs> listeners and readers like Gary. I had someone stop me at uh, spring training today saying that they appreciate the nerdy conversation that goes on on the podcast. So uh, personally, that's the way I go. I, I, I'm I long-winded and I'm nerdy, so podcasts work better for me than anything. Uh, and then I think that 
the listeners are saying, basically, we just have to let our nerd flags fly. <laughs>